Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Let's pray, and I want to jump into a couple of stories of Jesus from the Word of God and to hear the heart of Christ expressing um, a part of the difference that attracts us to Him if we're His followers. Father, thank you so much for your love that is so far beyond religion, it is not funny. God, we create religion and Christian culture to keep you at a distance, to keep you safe, to keep you outside. But you have ushered in a new community, the kingdom of God. And Father, you have called us into a new life and a new way of living and seeing and being that is so much farther and deeper and bigger than we have imagined. I pray that you'd open our eyes. I pray that you'd help us to see your son clearly beyond God, our, our religious um, fog, beyond God, our, 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 our cultural God distractions. Just help us to see your son. We pray this in Jesus' name as all God's people say, amen. amen. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, open it up. If you don't, there the notes are right here. If you pull out your iPhone, we know you're not checking your email because you're on version, reading along, okay? But I want you to read along in Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to read uh, verses 20 through 34. The amazing difference of Jesus. Then the mother of James and John, the son of Zebedee, came um, to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked, which is a great question in life. What do you want? She replied, in your kingdom, will you let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one at your right and the other at your left? Jesus told them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of sorrow that I'm about to drink from? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Yeah, right. Well, you will indeed drink from it, he told them, but I have no right to say who will sit on the thrones next to mine. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. He called them together and said, you know that in this world, kings and tyrants and officials lord it over the people beneath them. But among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. As Jesus and the disciples left the city of Jericho, a huge crowd followed behind. Just use your imagination and see it. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd told them to be quiet. They were embarrassed by these noisemakers. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And then Jesus stopped in the road and called to them. It's kind of an interesting question that Jesus would ask two blind people. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them, touched their eyes, and instantly they could 
see. Guys, what I want you to see today is that saved people served people. That's the heart of everything. So, you're going to hear this phrase uh, today, uh, next week, the week after, um, two years from now, uh, five years from now. Um, when you see somebody serving and you go up to them and you thank them for their service, they're going to say to you something along the lines of, oh, no, well, save people, serve people. And just so that you can get used to it, I want you to make sure that your neighbor has clearly heard what saved people do. So would you just turn to your neighbor lovingly and with a, a, an amazing smile, just let them know that saved people serve people. So go ahead. All right, everybody, everybody got it? So I'm going to give you the cue, and when I give you the cue throughout the message, be on time. All right, it's a, it's a competition between the services, all right? <laughs> you guys don't want to come in last. Free pizza party at Gwen's house. Verse 26 says, but among you it will be quite different. Jesus died for the difference. He died to create a new community. He died not that we could be religious, that we could be church people, that we could be self-righteous and self-important. He didn't die so that we could be uh, uninvolved and on the sidelines of life. Jesus died to make a difference. And he died to call you into a death and a resurrection that will make a difference in your life as well. But among you, it will be quite different. What a great description of the church of the living God, that we are a people who are different. Not that we, we live as though we were better than, but that people could see in us a difference. A difference from the core and the inside of out of, of who we value and how we live and how we serve. And that in our selflessness, they would see something that would intrigue them, not repel them, and, and they would discover the truth that saved people did well the first time. In the brokenness of human life, we're always jockeying for position. And we're doing this from places of deep, deep insecurity in our lives. But Jesus, he flips the script on human significance. And he says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. I mean, everywhere in human relationship, it's all about me. You know, I mean, seriously, that, that's, that's the, the mantra of this world. It's all about me. How many of you ever heard the phrase, look out for number one? All right, well, I want, you, I want you to live that. I really do. I want you to look out for number one. But I want you to understand you're not it. Okay? <laughs> it's not you. The Lord God, He is number one. And, and when we live in the new community, when we live as a people who've, who've uh, died to death and been raised to life, we live with a new significance. We know who we are. We don't have to live elbowing out other people, proving that we are somebody. When you know who you are, you've got nothing to prove. You are God's daughter. You are God's son. Why, why is that not enough? It is enough. And that's why Jesus lived his whole life not telling everybody how great he, he, he was. He, he just lived his life and revealed the glory and the greatness of God the Father. 
Can you see the difference? Today, I, you know, so if saved people serve people, let's kind of unpack this a little bit. If saved people serve people, then, then let's start with the first part of that. Let's talk, talk about the word saved. What, what does that mean? And, and, and the reality is that I want to ask you the most profound question I can ask um, the, the church of the living God in, in the United States of America. Billy Graham one time estimated, and I've, I've heard people say different things, you know, different estimates, but he estimated um, that half the people in worship were not saved. That half of us who, who are culturally Christian, who have a, um, some sort of religious background and, and, and would consider ourselves good people, but there's never truly been this conversion experience in our lives to where we were truly, desperately born again and saved. So are you saved? And can you, can you see? In, in verses uh, 29 through, through um, 33, we've got this story of the two blind men. And, and, and you might think, well, why are these things connected? Jesus just, you know, settled a dispute um, in terms of the argument of greatness among the disciples. And, and then he proclaimed that above everything else that, that servanthood was, was first. And then what does he do? He shows us what serving looks like. Two blind men were sitting beside the road when they heard that Jesus was coming. They began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd told them to be quiet. The crowd really isn't into uh, to owning need and, and being vulnerable. Um, they only cried the louder. Jesus stopped in the road and called, what do you want me to do for you? Guys, why did Jesus have to ask that question? Does Jesus ever puzzle you? He does me, <laughs> you know. He's, he's always coming up with, with questions that I didn't know that I was asking and, and the questions I ask, you know, he answers in a completely different way and he's, he's always full of surprises and, and he's always skipping my surface stuff and, and going to the depths. But, but I got to say, the first time I read this, I'm going, you know, if I'd have been there, I'd been like advising the creator of the universe and the author of all intelligence. I would have been like informing him, Jesus, they're blind that's kind of a foolish question <laughs> what do you mean what do they want they're blind and and it's obvious and you would think it would be obvious and I want you to see this story um, both as it is and as it as it speaks what it is is the story of two blind men what it speaks to is a blind world and to you and to to me and in these two men is the symbol of, of our, our own spiritual journey. And the reality is that Jesus had to ask because not everyone broken wants to be whole. A lot of us have grown comfortable in the groove of our own pain. Uh, we have managed our own um, sin, we think, to the point that we are either um, you know, happy in denial of it or so miserable in the hell of it that we don't think there's any hope, and so we're just going to kind of keep on keeping on, doing the same old thing, hoping something will sometimes somewhere be different. Not everyone who's lost wants to be saved. And so in a room full of blind people, Jesus stands before us and he says, what do you want? 
And only a small number will say, I want to see. I want to be healed. Jesus, there's nothing in this world that can touch my need and heal my heart and, and give me the life that I'm longing for. Jesus, there's nothing I can buy. There's nothing I can earn. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can drink. There's nothing I can smoke. There's nothing I can take. Jesus, there is nothing in this world but you. That is the move of a person who can be saved. But the self-sufficient, um, those who will not own their need, those who deny their blindness, those who um, will let Jesus pass by without crying out to him and, and who, are, who are not willing to be embarrassed by God's love, those, those people will continue to be lost and blind and not seeing the life of God pass them by. Do you feel your lostness deep enough to see your need of mercy? These guys did. Man, there was no question about it that, that we desperately need you, Jesus. We desperately need you to touch our lives. We are blind and it is painful and it is hurtful. And Jesus, we need you. Have you ever been in a place to where you've let the Son of God serve you and give you mercy? Do you think you need mercy? Do you feel your lostness? Do you want a new vision of life? Do you, do you want to be able to look out in the world and see hope? Do you want to be able to look out in the world and, and not be a cynic, but to, to see the possibilities of humanity and, and to see God differently, to see God personally? Do you want to be able to see in the midst of your own pain and, and the problems in your own marriage, do you want to be able to see beyond your finances? Do you want to be able to see beyond your, your pain? Do you want to be able to see beyond the tears that are blinding you? If you do, cry out to Jesus. Call on his name. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, saved people serve people, but you have to be saved for there to be any difference in your life. And it's not about being Catholic or Baptist or anything else. It's not about anything that you have done other than believing in what Christ has done for you. He is the difference maker. And when he becomes real to you, you become different and you become a difference maker in this world. That's the way it works. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. These are not just empty words, guys. We don't have to live in our sorrow. We don't have to live in our sadness. We don't have to live in the blindness of our own understanding about life. We can live in the, the light of Christ. We can see life differently. Guys, I want to tell you, it's absolutely exhausting and unattractive to try to manufacture the Christian difference. The other day, I, I, I sat with somebody who all their life has, has had family members lovingly try to lead them to Christ, and they've just adopted the role of the bad boy, and that's now their identity, and that's who they are and what they do, and they almost kind of now revel in, in people trying to save them, you know? 
And I just want to tell all those people, stop it. Because Jesus is attractive. He's intriguing. He's, he's astonishing. There's something different about Jesus. At the beginning of this passage, it said huge crowds were following Jesus. Why? Because there's something different in his version of humanity than, than in anything they could see around them. Everybody else lives for themselves, but this guy, this guy is different. This guy isn't in it for himself. This guy, he, he really seems to be, to be loving me in a way that doesn't serve his own interests. And of course, the cross absolutely nails that truth. And so this young man, he, he, he's, he needs to, to, to see the difference of Jesus in a way that is compelling and attractive. He needs to see the, the, the life of Christ being lived around him. And so does the rest of the world. So many of us, we are still in the dark, still in our sorrow, still in our anger. Guys, there are so many angry people in this room, angry about loneliness, angry that, that life hasn't turned out the way we want it, angry that, that you know, we're not fulfilled in different areas of our lives. So many angry people, all of the blindness of this dying world you, you, you can't work your way out of that. You can't, you can't attend church your way out of that. You have to be saved. You have to be born again. You have to let the work of the Holy Spirit do this for you. It's exhausting to try to save yourself. You can't do it. And, and so guys, I, I just want to say this, and, I, and I, I, do I mean to be offensive? I mean to be loving, if offensive, but if, if serving others doesn't matter to you, and I mean starting with your, your husband and, and with your wife, starting with your children, starting with the people you work for, even if they're not easy to, to work for, if serving those people and, and, and being the difference in their lives and, and, and revealing Jesus um, as Jesus revealed the Father, if, if that doesn't really matter to you, then you may not be saved. Because save people, you guys are sharp. And if you can't see serving's joy, then, then you may still be blind. Jesus saves people. He makes them different. He, he makes them into servants. That's what Jesus does when he saves someone. When you are saved, you become a servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How did Jesus serve us? By dying on the cross for us. These two blind men let themselves be well served. And in the joy of that life change, they followed him, the scripture says. They lived the rest of their life differently. That's why we're not in the, in the days to come going to try to motivate you to serve. Either the Spirit of God's going to do that or, or not. Either you're dead or alive. Dead people don't do much. So, so we're not going to try to motivate you. We're going to try to just... just Unleash you to be the difference that changes the world. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to ask you again, are you saved and can you see? Can you see your need for mercy? 
Can you see the eternal purpose God has for your life? Can you see that you were not called to sit in the dark of your own loneliness and your own pain and your own anger and, and your own whatever? You were not called to live sitting in that. You were called to be changed and to be a light and to, to be released on the world to serve the purposes of God eternally to His glory. And, and it is a joyous thing to serve the living God. Consider him who, who suffered, the scripture says, and, and consider him who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus served for the joy. And guys, I'm telling you, it's counterintuitive, and, and most of us here think that we're going to get the best life uh, by making it about us and getting what we want, and, and it's counterintuitive. The only way you're going to have the, the, the life you were destined for is if you give up the life that, that is killing you. Are you saved? And will you call on the name of the Lord? First John 5.13 says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you can have the security of a saved relationship with Him. It's not you earning it. It's not you working for it. It's just you uh, acknowledging your need uh, for mercy and calling out on His name and letting Jesus serve you <laughs> in a beautiful, life-changing way that you can never forget. And out of that change, you live the difference. And, and I'm just telling you, what this world needs is, is it needs to see that, that saved people serve people. It needs to see people living out of the overflow of God's love. Can you imagine these blind guys being bored the next day with seeing? I mean, Serious. Sunset comes up the next day. They've never seen one. Oh, yeah, okay, well, I, I heard they were like that, you know. I, I heard they were beautiful. Oh, yeah, look at the blue sky. Look at that cardinal over there. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Those mountains, okay, okay. No, I can pretty much promise you, you can ask these guys when you get to heaven, I can pretty much promise you for the rest of their life they were stunned by grace and how God had served them and the rest of their life it wasn't perfect, it was a challenge, it was a struggle, but, but the rest of their life was this joyous overflow of look what God did for me. And I'm just telling you guys, the joy begins when you let Jesus do for you what he wants to do. You let him, you let him have mercy, um, and where mercy uh, meets pain, there's just joy. All right? So guys, I want to say this, if you're saved, you will see. You will see the difference. Um, you'll see, like in verse 21, that you don't have to jockey for position. Uh, when, when mama asked for the boys to be first, the rest of the disciples got what was going on. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Nobody's getting ahead of me. Guys, did you see what just happened? Those two are trying to get to the front of the line. And the scripture says they were indignant. There was division among the disciples. No, 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 no. When you're saved and you begin to see, which is what Jesus is teaching them here, guys, I want you to see what I'm talking about with this new community I'm, I'm creating. I want you to see the difference that I am and I'm making in your lives. Um, you don't have to jockey position for position. You're named. Uh, Revelation 21, um, 17 says that God is going to give everyone who is born again a, a stone, a white stone with their name on it. God knows your name. Is that cool? I'm serious. Is that cool? <laughs> That's why you don't have to worry about anybody in the world knowing who you are. God knows your name and he's got a name that he's going to give to you and it's just the pet name between the two of you. Nobody else is ever going to know it. That is so cool. So if you wonder, am I important? Do I matter? Oh, you have no idea. Verse 25 
um, the scripture says, you know that in this world, and that's the world system, the world values, um, at the obvious and at the more subtle levels of, of how it works out in terms of being a money-driven, power-driven, um, beauty-driven, uh, you know, world. In this world, you know that kings are tyrants and officials lord it over the people. What's the next two words? Beneath them. Well, if you're saved, you're going to see that there is no one beneath you. <laughs> and if you're saved, you're going to see that your call to be different is, is incredible, incredibly clear. Uh, but among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Guys, when I got saved um, and, and, and began to grow in the Lord at 15, 16, all I had was Jesus. Again, you, you, you know my story. Uh, I ate one time at home during high school. Um, you know, Jesus was, was it for me, but, but I, I saw uh, clearly that, that now as a follower of Christ, I was to be a servant, and I was challenged by some good leaders so that when I went into a situation, um, I didn't go into the situation to be large and in charge, but it's like, how can I serve? And to look around in a room, and to look around in a group, to look around in your own family, and, and to, to ask the question, Jesus, what are you trying to do here, and how can I serve your interest in the lives of this person? You know, if there's something dirty, clean it up. I don't want to get my hands dirty. No, 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 if you're saved, you'll see the difference. And you'll be the difference. And I'm just telling you, the vision of Jesus to unleash this radical community of selfless servants on the world who everybody's going to be asking, what? What are they doing? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Oh, you know, at work, like, like, um, you know, like washing dishes in the sink? You know, or, or at work, like, um, you know, giving credit instead of taking it. You know, the first time you give credit instead of taking it, everybody goes, what, what are they doing? What, what's their game? Why, why are they doing that? Yep. Oh, I'm going to give credit too. I can out give credit than you. There is a difference. And when you're saved, you see the difference, and, and you will be different, and you're going to see the ugliness of self-seeking and, and the beauty of self-giving. In, in verse 28, for even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others, and to give my life as a ransom for many. How beautiful is the life of Christ? How beautiful was His giving? And, and we as His followers are called to do the same kind of living and, and to see that, that, that self-seeking really is ugly and small. It's what little kids do. But following Christ, man, there is a maturity and a beauty in, in, in selflessness that, that, is, that, that just reveals the difference. If you're saved, you're going to see that you need to live the difference so that the world can see the Savior. Serving is revelation. When you serve selflessly, you are literally revealing that, that Jesus was the Savior of the world. You're, you're, instead of driving people, you can't push rope, you're intriguing them and you're raising curiosity and they're, they're seeing this, this possibility of, of something eternally being different in life. When you're saved, you'll see the need in the crowd. As Jesus is walking through the crowd and everybody else is ignoring the blind guys, but when you're saved, you don't walk past human brokenness. You, you notice it. And you take the time to unpack people's stories. Sometimes it takes a long time and years. Sometimes it's pretty quick. Hey, what do you want? What's inside of you? What, what desire is driving you? 
when you're saved, you'll see suffering and you'll share it. In our lostness, we're going to walk away from the mess of the broken. <laughs> we're going to step over uh, the wounded person like the, the parable of the, the, the Good Samaritan. But when you're saved, you'll see suffering and you're going to actually share it. You're going to move towards it. The scripture says that Jesus, he felt sorry for them. Sometimes people say, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. No, 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 no. Jesus felt their sorrow. It's your pain in my heart. And that requires you to, to do something, to take action. And Jesus touched their eyes and healed them. When you and I live our salvation we become the servants of the Most High God in a broken world, and it is now our hands and our feet and our, our mouths that become the healing of God in, in a broken world. And now you and I, instead of seeking safety, we get messy and we, we touch suffering in real ways. We get proximate. So I just want to ask a couple of questions as we close. And you've got to decide what you're going to do with them and, and whether or not whether or not there really is something intriguing about Jesus or, or, or whether you're kind of repelled by him, you know? <laughs> is there a difference named Jesus inside of you? And I'm asking you with all of my heart, are you saved? Are you living in this miserable hell of darkness? Either denying your need for mercy or believing God could never have mercy on you so that you won't let Jesus touch your soul and make you whole and give you joy and peace. Guys, I'm telling you, there is no reason to go to hell and there's no reason to live in hell on earth. Jesus is the difference maker. And if you'll just call on his name, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved every time. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Today, I'm going to ask you, there'll be people up here at the front, I'm going to ask you if you are not saved, if you've never let Jesus serve you, then in the deepest way that goes to your soul, will you let Jesus serve you? Because if you will, your life change will make a difference for generations in your family line, for generations. Secondly, if there is a difference named Jesus in you, will you be the difference in this broken world? Will you serve with joy? And will you let God use you to, to reveal Jesus and to to set your life on this amazing eternal purpose that he destined before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship, his masterpieces, his poema, created in Christ Jesus, this beautiful handiwork of God. Look at the stars. Look at the mountains. Look at the beach, for those of you who are ocean people. Look at the sunset. Look at all that God has beautifully made, and you are the masterpiece of creation. But he created you in Christ Jesus to do good works of service. 
which he prepared before the foundation of the world. You have a destiny to live. And, and what a tragedy it would be to waste your destiny lost or religious and self-centered. So I'm going to ask our, our people to come. Uh, I'm going to ask if you would like to be saved, that, that you would, if you came with a, a believing person next to you, I just want you to turn to them and say, I, I want to I receive Jesus. It's right there on the back of your worship folder, how you do that. I want you to, to be honest, to be real, to pray, to pray with somebody who's here. If you will commit to, to live the difference in Jesus' name, then I'm going to ask you to do the, the, the same. The stations are open on the side. The crosses are open for your declaration of your service. And it all starts with your decision to be the difference that Jesus created you to be. Guys, this is our future. Saved people Will you serve with me? Let's stand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would stir us and call us and lead us out into the world to serve as your son did. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.